Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to another episode of Out of Oz, a Building 28 Church podcast where we confront fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christian culture with compassion, conviction, and culture. I'm Peter Tragos, and with me as always, AC. It's compassion, conviction, conviction, and courage. You, you couldn't even say the three. <laughs> you, said, you said culture at the end. Oh, I did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not culture. We confront the culture. Well, depending on what view courage. he's going to take today, he might determine courage. that last scene. Uh, I, lo- I love it, man. I love it. We're tired today, but we are having fun. Like we're, we're having fun, and we have the right Reverend Maggie Seibert on the podcast Whoa. here with us. Kidding, kidding. Not a reverend, <laughs> but a sheologian. Pastor Maggie. Um, a sheologian. No, oh my God. A robust and devout complementarian. Yes, that's why um, I'm But here. we're going to find out a little bit more about what that means on this podcast. And we also have my egalitarian... Kidding. Uh, my my friend here, superpowers. Who, who is this? The Hobbit, the <laughs> Hobbit himself. The Hobbit. Now, I love this live audience. We yes, need to get I more of this live audience right? in here. Yeah. Track. Um, and today on the podcast, we are really trying to answer the question and generally everything around it of what should women do in ministry? Ladies, what should they do in ministry? And can they be pastor, elder, teachers in the local church? Um, and this would apply across culture. Because when it comes to these absolute truths, either they can universally or they can't. So meaning they can't, it, it's not just a matter of can they can they in the you West, it's her. can they everywhere. So I can't wait to hear from Powers on this. But Pete, why don't you just take this away? <laughs> so yeah, to, to start us out so people can know what we're talking about, because some people won't even yeah, what? understand why we're talking about this, right? It's pretty heavily contentious area. In, One of the most yeah, debated in a lot subjects of different, in Christianity. Really? Yeah, yeah. You think so? especially across different um, denominations. Like it's it's oh, a big deal. Sure. Some people are shocked sure. that there are even differing views on this and yeah. on both sides. So yeah. to kind of um, structure the discussion, there are three main categories, I guess, that somebody could fall into, right? So we've got egalitarian, narrow complementarianism, and broad complementarianism, right? So each one of our esteemed guests is going to break down their position and explain what that is. That right? We it's have been their assigned. Yes, they've been assigned. <laughs> not okay. the position that we hold. Let's Clarification. Save, let's save powers for last. I I that. That. No, no, I want him to go, I I want him to go first. All right, fine. Go ahead. No, was, and I will say this, just to set him up, kind of like the intro of a conference. So this is, though, the most widely accepted view in Christianity around the world today. Yep. Okay. The, the What's called egalitarian position, I'll have him explain it, is the most widely accepted view. And so if you're like in a, in a reformed niche somewhere and you're like, what? Like this is, this most Christians would believe this in the spouses. So with that said, yeah, let's roll. So I've been assigned to overview the egalitarian position, which I think is very simple. We'll get to its validity or lack thereof soon. Simply put, I think egalitarianism has just one big grand tenant to it or one big principle behind it. It is that... Man and woman in their respective roles in society, whether that's politics, whether it's government, whether it's family, whether it's inside the church, outside the church, globally, 
Any man or any woman can do whatever they so desire. The roles of men and women are interchangeable. And so that implies that it is incredibly biblical then to have women pastors. Because in the egalitarian view, what a man can do, a woman can do. And often you find in the people sharing this view, that stated, and then something like this, and maybe better and maybe more carefully and clearly. And so I think that that's the egalitarian view in a nutshell. Um, At least that's the people that I've talked to that hold this view. That's the way that they talk about that. that, That's the way that maybe the rubber meets the road. I mean, it might not be the most precise definition given if you're talking to like a Harvard professor, but on- Or a doctor. Yeah. 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 The street level- uh, the the roles and positions and jobs and careers, whether it's presidential down, you know, the top to bottom, men and women interchangeable doesn't matter. Anybody can do whatever they want. And to what do. is their what is your their biblical justification for this? Well, I don't think they have any. <laughs> Letting the cat out of the bag. Uh, most people will say who hold this position that verses like First Timothy two twelve. It says, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. That that was something that was true for the first century Culture. and is no longer true. It's a cultural principle, like you said, that has changed with our modern culture. So wouldn't their biblical background or backing be a lot of things in the, that the Bible has we no longer stick to, right? That's like you one would, of hold them. On, let me just- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. That, that's a yes, right? Yes. Okay. So, because there are things in the Bible that we don't still do today, yeah. right? Even if you have reasons for them, this is just another one that they say. Like, it's obvious now that women can do these things and women don't have to cover their heads and women don't have to, you know, do this, that, and the other. They're not married at 12 years old here in America. And so, that that's obviously different. So, because women can have any job a man can have now culturally, that was not the case back then, Right but we don't believe that now. So that includes the church. That would be their biblical backing, even though it's not pointing to a verse in the Bible. But then they would point to certain verses, even having said all that and said no to those things, they would say, well, Deborah was a prophet and a judge for Israel at a time. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, every position, I think, picks and chooses the things that look more like in line with But it's not just like they made it up. They, they no, have some logical no, this, this, thinking to it. This has a rich history right. and, it, and, and, and it's not just a modern issue. It goes back thousands and thousands of years. All right. So Aaron, let's get to the broad complementarian position, which is going to, you're going to kind of include the patriarchal. Yeah. I mean, cause it really is like, there's really no distinction between broad. Some I mean, people would say some that people just take category, it, but... they'll take it further a little bit. For, I mean, so when we're talking about complementarianism, that is differentiated from egalitarianism and that. While we are equal in value, we are not equal in calling and what God is to you. Just like women and men, fathers and mothers are equal in value, but men are called to be fathers and women are called to be mothers. Like, you know, that, that God has uniquely appointed us as such. So that's a, that's a broad understanding of it. When we talk about broad complementarianism, the idea here is that you take passages like 1 Timothy 2.12 that Adam just read and the elder office in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 and the, the statements about women in leadership in 1 Corinthians, you take all these together in an effort to be cautious, to not go further than scripture would go. You say, we want to broadly apply 
the principles established for us in 1 Corinthians and in 1 Timothy. We want to broadly apply these so that we will not permit a woman in the church to do anything that the Bible doesn't explicitly permit her to do. Now, so that's broad complementarianism. Patriarch, the patriarchy uh, idea, which is espoused by some good theologians, but yeah. I disagree with them, but is it, they would go further and, and some of them would go further than others. But a lot of them would say a woman's place is solely in the home. Um, women can't work outside the home uh, solely as a mother. Um, a woman cannot even read scripture in a church, which some broad complementarians would say a woman is to be silent in the church. Like they're not to speak. If they have a question, they need to ask their husband at home, um, which Paul says in 1 Corinthians and has raised the ire of many egalitarians um, over the years with Paul about that. Books have been written about how Paul was wrong or what he meant by that. So the broad view is we're going to take this principle and to be cautious so that we don't tread into any um, water that we don't want to be in. We're just going to more so prohibit women from uh, glorify their calling as mothers and caretakers of their children, but we do not want them. And once again, I don't, I don't want to speak for everybody, just some broad complementarians will have women read passages of scripture in the church or maybe sing in the worship band or team or things of that capacity, serve in some capacities in the church, uh, uh, maybe as a, maybe as a, a children's volunteer coordinator or something of that. These are pretty closely linked. We're going to do another podcast on this and what's called the, the normative or the regulatory principle. Mm. And so the regulatory principle is basically this idea with broad complementarianism of if the Bible does not give us liberty to do it, then we're forbidden to do it. The more normative principle is if the Bible doesn't forbid us to, from doing it, then we have liberty as long as it's not forbidden. So there's a difference there. And so it's the same when it comes to broad complementarianism versus what Maggie now is going to tackle for us. I got it. Narrow complementarianism. Narrow complementarianism. Okay, so that is when women in leadership or whatever, they can do anything that the Bible doesn't say like they can if doesn't. it says it doesn't then you can't but everything else you can do so you can read you can like be in ministry on church whatever just you can't <laughs> yeah on, on you're doing great on church staffs <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of broad a lot of narrow complementarian churches will have women that are called ministers now they hardly any will call them pastors and if they do they're not using like the biblical definition First lady Maybe I don't know. Like uh, we do I've that. Heard, I've heard a first lady. Just That's kidding. interesting. Just kidding. Um, and so, but they'll have no problem with with women being a communications director or a worship leader or reading in the church. Yeah. And even some would go so far as to say, while women can't be older pastors. Sorry, I'm just like jumping in on you. You started laughing. I just wanted to help. I you couldn't. Out. I blacked out. <laughs> 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 they can't preach in a Sunday morning gathering in an authoritative way over men. That's about it. Right. That's about Pretty it. Much it. So so. Yeah. So a woman, but women, some, free to do some anything nuance. else. There's not a universal standard of, hey, I'm a narrow complementarian, so we all believe right. this and yeah. function this way, or I'm broad, or patriarchy, or egalitarian is pretty simplistic and straightforward. Like they, I mean, because there's equality, so it's just everybody can do whatever they want. Um, but when you get into, which it always gets messy when you talk about submission and you talk about a, a structure of authority, and some egalitarians have called all complementarians patriarch patriarchal mm -hmm. uh, or hierarchical um that we're all kind of like this this abusive structure of power and authority um suppressive culture um but that is not a proper historical or biblical understanding of complementarianism so 
let, before we get into it, let's let's tell everybody where you guys stand so they can kind of say where yeah. you're coming from when you're answering these questions, what you think, and we can kind of start from there, starting with you. Yeah, so I'm, I think that scripture clearly teaches, because I've just seen women run over in the church in the name of biblical consistency and marginalized in the church. No, we're going to get to what Adam believes in and- a second. Why don't you just tell us what you <laughs> My goodness. Um, Y'all are nuts. You know that? I want to empower the women of Building 28 and, and Christian women everywhere, and I want to release them to do whatever the scripture does not clearly forbid them to do, okay? And they're clearly forbidden, I believe, very clearly, 1 Timothy 2.12, we can unpack it more if we want to. I would like to. But clearly forbidden to preach in an authoritative way or to exercise pastoral authoritative leadership, pastor, by, by the way, biblically, for those listening who might not be familiar with this, pastor, bishop, elder, presbytery, like that, that presbyteros, uh, and the, the, all these overseers, they're all the same. Um, they're all synonymous in scripture. As a matter of fact, the word pastor, we use it now as a noun. It typically was only used as a verb in scripture, but it's pastoring was what an elder or overseer or shepherd would do for their congregation. Women are Clearly prohibited in scripture, and God has a reason for this, prohibited from holding the office of pastor elder or preaching in an authoritative way. But for me personally, I would have no issue, and I get it, people will disagree with this, people in our church will disagree with this. I have no issue with women being on church staff, women being in positions of derived authority under the elder board. Um, I have no issue with women being worship leaders. We obviously have women worship leaders in our church. Um, I have no issue personally with a woman co-leading a home group with a man with men in the home group. I have no issue with a lady teaching a seminary course to men because that's outside the context of the local church. Some complementarians would. They would have issue, they would take issue with some of these things that I've mentioned. And there seems to be quite diversity across the board within even reform circles on how much we permit. But for me, I pretty much go as far as you can go biblically, because I think that's where scripture leads us in saying women should be empowered to do whatever they want to do as long as it is within the framework of scripture. Not so, elder pastors, not teaching a Authoritative so word. narrow complementarian. Narrow complementarian. I, I just want to be clear where we where <laughs> I stand, because Adam might be narrow complementarian, well, but we're yeah, gonna get might, to him in might a not, but he might call himself that, which is fine, but he might not land. Not everybody you. lands That's exactly. the nuance we yes. talked about. Maggie, what about you? I'll go narrow complementarian for 200. Thank you. <laughs> great answer. Great answer, Maggie. We need to have you on more often. Um, okay. Adam, go ahead. Take your time now. Give us a little retort to Aaron. <laughs> Why don't you start with what group you would put yourself in? So I don't put myself in any of these I groups. I knew you were going to say oh, that. I literally, I literally call, as it was I coming mean, out of my mouth, we, knew you were going to say that. He doesn't call himself a Calvinist. Right, no, will, no, I do. We will I put do. you in a group once you've explained Thank what you, you believe. So Thank go you. ahead. We're good at that. I, uh, I'm not egalitarian. I call myself a complementarian. I'm uncomfortable with some of the narrow language. I'm uncomfortable with some of the broad language. I'm probably find a home in between those two. Okay. But everything that you said, slim, I, you're a slim complimentary. <laughs> everything you shredded said is what he, he, he shredded. prefers how, shredded. See, how, Above how complimentarian. You, okay, there you go. How you explained it though, is I feel like how I explain it. And so I feel like I'm right there with you. Just I, I maybe like if we had a list of like a hundred different yeah. scenarios, we, we might differ on like 10 of them. I would say yes. To Why don't you them. give us some examples? 
However you want to answer it. Go ahead. Just yeah, tell, tell okay, me some differences so of what we already heard Aaron's I explanation. Would, I would love to be so used of God to free and empower and equip women to take their hands off the wheel and let their husbands drive the car. Kevin DeYoung said that complementarianism is not about women, women sitting down. It's Wait, about, oh, oh. No, no, no. It's about men yeah. rising up. And I yeah, think that's right. what you're saying. Like, that's right. the idea. It is not about exactly. you be quiet and sit down. It is about men need to rise up in the church today and like lead well. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Okay, yes. so I, just, I just want to throw yes, that right, in right, there. Hold on. Okay. So, yes. Yes and amen. Kevin's young, uh, Kevin DeYoung's book that just came out on this very topic. Yeah. Uh, very short. Very careful, clever guy. No. So, Holly, my wife, before this, she, we, we Pastor, talked about Pastor this. Holly. No, wrong. Um, <laughs> we we joke about one day we'll get the billboard like bishop and first lady. <laughs> Please <laughs> no, do. We won't do that. Um, no, she she said, I, I was thinking like, you know, like just trying to get into the egalitarian mindset. Like I'm going to have to explain this, y- you know, so what what should I say? And she was like, I was like, well, why do you think people do that? I was like, well, because they're probably more influenced by the culture rather than scripture. You know, the Me Too movement's huge. The church is probably feeling the pressure to give into some of this too and show representation and show women up on stage and leading like this, just like it's happening out in the world, et cetera. And she was like, no, I don't think that's the re- reason why people do that. And I was like, no, you don't think so? And she said, and, and, and I said, why? And Holly said, because we naturally are too aggressive and want to take over everything. We need to sit back and be humble and do life the way God commanded rather than trying to bend our will on everyone else around you're us. You're acting like you're quoting your wife, but you said this to her, didn't you? No, she, she's saying this to me. So no, I'm, well, that's very Genesis 1 though, right? Isn't no, that... no. I was going to quote Genesis 3. Okay, Genesis 3. Genesis 3. So after the fall, God talks to the serpent, to the woman, to the man, and to Eve right there in the middle, Genesis 3.16 to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. You, you kind of wonder like what, what was childbirth like before that? In pain, you shall bring forth your children. Here, and then here, here's the thing. Your desire, the ESV says, shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. The Hebrew, there's a little bitty number. You go down to the bottom. Your desire shall be against your husband, but he shall rule over you. And so the natural position between man and woman is woman is going to be against man and begrudge the authority that he has from God. And that's going to be the fight every woman fights and is going to have to fight it in and, their own And, and to be fair, because I completely agree with that, but the, the natural tendency of the man apart from is, Christ is to be passive. Is, well, passive to or, or to be right. supp- uh, suppressing. Like, right. uh, like I, right. I am this authoritative, yeah. like, don't question me, like, yeah. get out of the way. Right. Like, uh, So one, yes, one of those other. are wrong. Both yeah, those, those are, are wrong. wrong. But yeah. we see a lot of that yeah. across evangelical Christianity For today, sure. you know, For sure. either passivity. So women are almost like forced to rise up mm-hmm. or yeah. a kind of a dominance. Or you see churches trying to walk off middle ground, which is the muddled middle nonsense realm where... Uh, you'll you'll now have a a pastor and his wife preaching a sermon, and every time she speaks, his hand will be on her back, as if to indicate a, authority being overseen in this moment. Rubbed and off on her, yeah. we, just, just, we just did that here last Sunday. Oh, you did. That's nonsense, right there. So you should stop. <laughs> Obviously. Okay. So let's talk about let's talk about stop Timothy the and, and and Paul. What Paul says 
about this. Let's break down some of it. Let's break down whether we think all of it's, I don't want to say relevant, but all of it is defined exactly how it sounds in scripture. Okay. Like women should be quiet, things like that. Like, like, is that what you believe? What do we read and get from these biblical passages as far as what women's roles should be in the church? No, I think that the context is king. Context exactly. matters. So 1 Timothy 2 and 3, the subject of authority is in view. What authority is, who should have authority, how authority is to be expressed and used and led in the church. That authority is God-given. So any authority that is, is had in any church officer, whether it's an elder or deacon, is a derived authority. It's not inherent to the person having the authority. It's all from God, et cetera. I think in that context then, which I think why I find a home and everything you said, I do let our ladies speak in church. We have a female worship leader who prays, who reads. We have all sorts of women, whether some of our senior ladies, middle-aged ladies, teenagers, or kids read scripture before the sermon. And I think that when authority is in view in 1 Timothy for the context, it's the authority of preaching the word. And so that's Where? that's the big one. Sunday from the pulpit or anywhere ever? I would say Sunday from the pulpit in the context of the gathered the worship gathering. of God's yeah. people. What about Thursday night, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in, in all seriousness, churches do Saturday evening service or Sunday evening service. We were just said in Grace Church, Miami, so they the do only. Thing. It's your corporate collective gathering, gathering of the believers together, not not an offshoot service where you're, you know, you're doing a conference or something like that. But the gathering itself, yes, uh, I would agree with Adam completely on that. And outside that gathering, I, I think we're free to use wisdom as we see fit for our own context. Okay, so would both of you then be okay with women teaching a class at church that had men in it? Yes. I would. I just want to say one thing. We have elders on our elder board, and the way our elder board works is we kind of defer to the mo most conservative position typically. Um, and so we have elders who are more in the broad complementary not, not not anywhere near patriarchy, but they're more broad in the principle being applied. And so I defer to them. So I would probably have more liberty to do things, but that's the beauty of elder plurality is yeah, for sure. bounce things around. Mm -hmm. But I would have no problem with, with that. How would you feel, Maggie? As somebody who's on staff at the church, a leader in the church, how would you feel teaching a class with a bunch of men from the church in it? I'd say, get out of the room. I can only speak to women. <laughs> what do you think? Though? What do you think? Do you think that it's biblically totally fine? I don't. I don't just mean like, would you want to do it personally? Yeah. But like, would, would you have any issue with it? I will admit that I've gone to like those big Christian conferences before, and when there's like a lady speaking, and usually like I've heard usually like more soft gospel lady, so like mm. that maybe makes me uncomfortable. I don't know if it's because of her you know, gospel message or because like she's a lady and like all like it's like high school, college, you know, age. But like that, I'm always like, oh, like aren't ladies like not supposed to be pastors, but then they're speaking to like thousands of people. So I don't really know. I don't know. Okay. What do you guys think about? And, and if you have like biblical verses we can kind of dig into, that would be helpful too for people, I think, to know why, why you're, where you're coming from and why. Um, do you have any issue with women leading um, home groups, like you said, with men in them, digging into the word that they talked about on Sunday, teaching them through a, you know, a book, whatever it may be. Like, I know how we do home groups. I don't know how you guys do them, but yeah. would small you have group. any issues with a, with a woman leading that small group? 
our small groups at our church are led by our elders, and they lead together the groups with, with would their you wives. Have a, would you have an issue with just the woman leading? Probably. Okay, because why? of our context already set up, elders lead the small groups. And so we we don't have women elders. Okay. And so we would never have a group led by a woman because the elders lead those groups. So I would say no. So what if you have the necessity to have more home groups or small groups? We need more elders. Okay. So you would that's you would you'll you'll never yeah. let anybody but an elder. Why? It's probably don't answer that. No, no, that's I, a different I, actually, podcast. Actually, I think that that is, I think that's incredibly wise, like um because it protects the elders yeah. or the shepherds of the sheep, the under shepherds of Jesus yeah. being the the, the chief shepherd, and so they're they're very protective of. And I would say, historically in our church, when things have gone off the rails, it's it's been at times someone who who was not an elder pastor trained in the word. And something developed. So that's, shouldn't have. I don't want to cut you off. Yeah. That's a different episode. Okay. So I'm I just saying, I, I think it's I wise. Say, that's, I, I'm not saying I disagree with that, but let's just move on to. So what I do have, you think? I Would have you have no, no issue if a woman led a home group with mates? I have no problem okay. there. Um, I, I think if they're under the authority, and that's the biggest issue in the church today, people in general, men and women being under authority. But if they're under the authority of the elder board, doesn't mean they have to agree on everything, but they're under authority and they're robust and they're teaching sound doctrine, I don't have a problem with. A lady, I know you, I think we talked and, and you maybe did. You probably don't want to be outed on this episode, so I'll just leave it at that. And I wouldn't call it outed. I just, I don't think we have enough time for me to also like get into sure. the debate is all I'm saying. I would say I'm probably in the, I would call myself in between narrow and broad the buff, complementary the as, as well. But yeah, um, yeah. but I think I would, but that's why I kind of want to get to where you guys are getting this like very specific narrow view of what you're, what you're kind of picking out. So, but hold on. Sure. So what about Adam? Why, why do you think there's a difference between a woman teaching a class at the church, like even if it's like a class on Romans versus preaching on Sunday, where does that difference come from? Why is it just preaching from the pulpit on Sunday? Why is that different than any other teaching or going through the Bible or speaking into men or leading men through something? Yeah, we're, we're, we're not. Very, very good question. And I, I would answer it like this. And I don't, I don't know if you guys want to add anything. We're going to say we're not consistent? No. <laughs> we're not commanded <laughs> To have Sunday school. We're not commanded to have side classes. We're not commanded to have conferences. We're not commanded to do this or that. We're commanded by God to gather as God's people and worship him, which part of that is the preaching of his word. And so that's why that's a special element set apart totally. And I think that there's freedom in each congregation to use the wisdom and contextualization in their own context to decide how they want to do the side things that they do. I say that I would have no issue with a woman leading a class like that, um, but I, I, I can tell you right now, I don't know a lady in our congregation right now who'd be, who would say yes to teaching something like that. They would bring all of their stuff to one of the elders and say, hey, could you teach this? I'll, I'll be in the class like maybe for some helpful feedback or questions, but I don't, I don't want to be the one to do it. And I I think that's a healthy posture, but I don't shirk the idea like um, Melissa Kruger, a Gospel Coalition writer, author, sheologian extraordinaire, teaching a class on any subject of theology. I, I think I could benefit from that greatly. I don't think that she's sinning by yeah, doing so. Yeah, I think we so. all agree that we can benefit from the teaching of women, right? I think, yeah. and, and I mean, some of us are blessed enough to have moms that taught us a lot too, you know, and that we yeah. learn from. Oh, Timothy's 
right. females are listed for right. us. Right. And so I yeah. think that I think that's anybody that says that that's not true for men from that perspective, I think is wrong. I think yeah. what it comes down to, and this is in my head, so so point out where I'm wrong. It is it, to me, that's I've always thought it is preaching the word from a position of authority to men in the body. But you guys would limit it to Sunday from the pulpit and preaching the word, not giving testimony or reading the, a scripture verse or whatever. All that would be okay. It's just opening up the Bible, preaching the word on a Sunday or your gathering night from the pulpit. Yeah, I mean, so to me, I so don't see bring, a difference. I to guess bring up a couple a more, like a couple more texts here because First Corinthians was okay. The Church of Corinth was a mess, uh, colossal mess uh, in many ways, much like North American Church today. And in First Corinthians fourteen, Paul says that women are to learn in silence, right, in the church. And so some would say that that prohibits women from talking at all in in the church in any setting, especially in the gathering. So no reading scripture, nothing like that. However, if you back up to First Corinthians eleven five, Paul encourages talks about that this is the reality and encourages women to prophesy and to pray in the church. Now. That prophesying has been greatly distorted in modern Christianity. Mm-hmm. That prophesying means to basically to encourage, to edify, to build up the church, to speak the word of the Lord. Like literally, that's what it means. We prophesy, we're speaking the word of the Lord. And, and so that's encouraged and it's encouraged for women to pray. So no problem with sunrise. We don't, we typically have our elders do most of the praying here or pastor residents, but no problem. I would have zero issue with, a lady praying yeah. in the gathering. Yeah. Um, I also want to say, like, I have I have some egalitarian friends. I strongly disagree with them, but I have friends and we can disagree. I also have in our church broad complementarians, and I appreciate and applaud. Like Maddie talked about it a second ago, and she was like, I don't know if I'd be comfortable in this, like with with well, why is this? I think there's a matter of conscience that is not a universal conviction again, that you might you might have a conscious conviction where you're saying, I don't know if this applies to all people, but if I'm in a conference and I'm listening to someone, and even if they're sharing robust gospel, much less soft gospel, we should always walk out of that, but robust gospel, like, can I really sit there and be fed by them? I might not say it's wrong for everybody else. But it is for me. And so I, I can respect that, that there that there are those who lean more broad in this, who maybe wouldn't, maybe they would, but maybe they wouldn't apply it to everyone. But they're saying, for me, anyway, the principle stands where I feel convicted if I'm in a gathering being taught at a conference or, or whatnot by a woman. Read the verse where it says women are to be quiet. And first you have that? First Corinthians 14? First Corinthians 14, 33 and 34. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Okay, so let's pause there. Do you agree with the natural reading of that? Well, n- you need to define natural <laughs> reading here, here, Peter. Well, exactly bro. the words that you just read. Without any extra definition or context. Well, that's dangerous. I am not answering that question. That is dangerous to say that. I will answer with my own question. <laughs> go ahead. Aaron and I will just have a chat right here make our own question. Yeah, let's go. We agree with this. The natural reading would lead you, I think, to a wrong conclusion. Okay. Perhaps. So you need to bring in some context. You need to bring in some Supernatural reading of it, yes. Explain that. 
like the, the Holy Spirit is guiding us in all truth. Like so, a, a unbeliever or even an immature believer can read that and draw conclusions. Every every I've said it many times, every cult that we can think of in recent history has been started from Scripture. Mm-hmm. So when we read Scripture, we have to apply biblical hermeneutics to that. Yeah. We read cross referencing. There's there's quotations there from other parts of Scripture as it is written. Or as the law says, and so where does it say that? And so we would go to that. There's also the context of the passage. Understanding the culture of the time does not shape it, but it helps us to understand why it's being written, understanding what was going on in Corinth. So there's a, a, a lot of, of hermeneutical aspects that you bring this. So when you say, just kind of reading it at a surface level, which is, I know it's not what you were saying, Peter, somebody could walk away from this and go, oh, there it says it. But the context is following... Uh, 1 Corinthians 11.5, where it says that women are prophesying and praying in the church, and Paul's encouraging that. So what does it mean here? I think the proper understanding of this, based upon the other scripture that is being referenced, and based upon what's going on in the church at Corinth, and based upon the, the context of this passage, is that women are to be silent in authoritative decision matters within the church, like decisions that need it. Once again, that's very controversial. But when it comes to, to doctrinal issues being discussed and parsed and I think there's a reason for that, and I don't want to say it. Matt, you're welcome to jump in if you want to say as a lady. What the reason why women are to be silent in that? I think there's a reason for that. I think that that's what it's talking about. It's talking about doctrinal or authoritative matters that need to be settled within the church. And Do you and just get that from context? I get from the, the context. Of and I also— it doesn't sound like that if I read it. No, and I also get it from when it says, as it is written, according to the law there, and it's referencing the law that has been established— for, as a rule of practice, that the men are to authoritatively, in humble compassion, kindness, like Jesus, but authoritatively govern the church. Uh, as a matter of fact, one scholar who's an egalitarian scholar said that we must, and I, I should have written down his name, but he said we must throw out Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians because Paul clearly contradicts himself in 1 Corinthians 11 to 1 Corinthians 14. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's crazy. He doesn't yeah. contradict himself. He's that's saying crazy. two different things there, both referencing the church and how ordering the church is Or he's just speaking to the situation of the church with his instruction. That's the only way you can really read yeah, it. Yeah, verse, verse 33 is the issue. God's a God of confusion. No, not sorry, a God of confusion. Not a God of confusion, but of peace and order. <laughs> so disorder and disquiet is the norm for Corinth. And the issue, even though all can prophesy, it seems like the women of Corinth were a bit extra zealous in this. And Paul's trying to get them to just calm down and learn and say, hey, if you really want to know this, don't talk at church. Wait till you get home. Talk to your husbands then. Because to me, this is not even, I could be wrong. So correct me if I'm wrong. This is not even something I look into with women's role in leadership in the church. Like this is really not even where I, I think it's more contextually when he talks about overseer and we see the the qualifications for an elder. And when we see the elders in the Bible and how it, like how we're supposed to mirror this stuff is more of where I get context clues of where I fall in women being leaders and being pastors in the church. Cause I don't think this is necessarily saying women can't preach in church because he was telling them to be quiet here. Do you think that's what it's saying? I this, don't think that's what it's saying, yeah, but I think Paul elsewhere says that. I agree with you, and but so I'm just gotta, saying this right here. No, I'm not yeah. arguing that that's what it says, actually. Right. I'm arguing that in matters of doctrinal clarity and decision-making within the church, that Paul, I think, is pretty brazenly saying 
that there, because of the confusion that was going on, but also because there's a natural proclivity for confusion to go on in the church, men and women. But he is saying that that is not how it's to be settled. That's not how it's, order is to be taking place. The men, especially the elder pastors, decide on decision maker, offer the doctrinal clarity. That's where I would say. So it doesn't even have to do with preaching as much as the the questions being asked about decisions being made and especially doctrinal clarity. That's where I would go. So why is it so dangerous when you read something like this in the Bible that the first time you read it maybe sounds like it can't be right, right? It sounds like you, you know, women being quiet in the church, women have to just, they can't ask any questions to their pastor. They've got to just go home and talk to their wife. Because the Bible is a dangerous book. Okay. And it tells us the truth, whether we want to hear it or not. I think we should be okay with scripture making us uncomfortable. Right. It's like Aslan's voice. But I also think it means that being saturated with the gospel and scripture all of is important. Right. It's yeah. why you can't just pick up the Bible, read one verse, and act like you know what Christianity is about, right? Judas hung himself. Go that's, and do likewise. It's dangerous. Right? I mean, I think yeah. it's dangerous just like when you want to throw, read parts of the Old Testament and be like, this is crazy, throw it out. It doesn't make right. sense. Right. As opposed to like when you look historically at what was happening, how awesome it all weaves together in context. Oh, and for sure. I mean, that, that's, what I'm, yeah. that's what I think is very scary when people just look at one thing and they say, I have a problem with that or throw out what Paul said. And first yeah. it's like, but then why, why can't I throw out where Paul says, like, I can't do this? Well, because that doesn't do that. grate against your natural sensibilities. Right. You know? well, yeah. So you take what you like. You, it's, it's not like the Bible's a grocery store. You just take what's so can you know, delectable to your preferences. Can you be an egalitarian, in your opinion, any of the three of you, without doing something like this or disagreeing or changing or altering or having some, you know, way you interpret scripture just totally wrong. By the way, for those listening or watching, Maggie just slayed it on our anxiety podcast, but told me um, not to talk she, to her on this she podcast. Is not, she is not suppressed <laughs> at all. Right, Mags? I'm not. not. Not suppressed. Yeah, that's great. I'm just, glad we <laughs> did that on this yeah, yeah. Really great. yeah, I'm like, I'm like Maggie. <laughs> Maggie just uh, is, is observing, right? You're not going off the outline. I'm sorry, oh, this one's well, gone in all sorts of different yeah. directions. Yeah. We'll get back to the outline in a second, but tell me. I'll talk then. Okay, okay. So she'll, she'll jump in. I'm coming to you. Okay. With a big question. <laughs> okay. So tell me. Egalitarians, like, is there a way to be an egalitarian where you're not just misinterpreting scripture or throwing out a part of scripture or like what, what we talked about a little in the beginning, but are they just kind of saying equal opportunity, EEOC, like the world yeah. we live in, everybody's got to have a fair so shake? I think, I think they are. I think they're more influenced by the current trends in worldly culture than by scripture. The Mia Hamm commercial, I can do anything, you yeah. can do better. There you go. I can do there anything. Me too. So, so I was going to follow up by saying, in fairness, once again, we says with everything, the egalitarians would say we are wrong. Right, of course. Right, in our interpretation. But I think they're dead wrong, and I do think they've either manipulated or dismissed Scripture. Like, they have to. It is incredibly clear. First Timothy 2.12 alone stands as an indictment against egalitarianism. Like, it, it just does. And we've already read that, and we've discussed it. Uh, I will, do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over men in the local church. Like, that is an indictment against egalitarianism. That clearly creates a complementarian worldview where men and women, Ephesians 5, are equal in value before the Lord, equal in worth in every way, and yet they serve differing and complementary roles within the local church, within the family, the structures that God has ordained for right, us. Right. And so much of this conversation is bent in the wrong direction. It's like what women cannot do. Why don't we talk about the things women get to do that men never get to do? Like nurture a young one, nurse, 
give birth, all these sorts of things that uh, have a wonderful <laughs> bond. You can do it, but I can. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, why don't we talk about that? No one ever talks about that. It's all what you can't do, which is why Genesis 3.16 is such a big reality. Your desire shall be against um, your husband. Uh, but here's a, here's a wrench, though. I love wrenches. I've, I've heard of, and I would wholeheartedly approve of a congregation in persecuted countries of the world where women are pastoring because the men are either absent or killed or in jail. Hmm. They should do that all day long. I was going to say, how can you argue against that? Yeah, you can't. You can't. They should preach and lead until God raises up a man. And but I'll you take your wrench and raise you a hammer Uh-oh. and say that that would not be a biblically qualified church. Right. So I have no problem with a woman discipling right. men, even in a corporate setting. Right. But a biblically qualified church is the ordinances are practiced, church right. discipline is administered, and it is led by biblically qualified elders. But here's a sledgehammer to your hammer. <laughs> no church is going to be perfect and it's always going to fall short at something. That I sounds would like an rather, argument, right, 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 right. You could say it's a slippery slope, whatever. I, you, it is. It is better in that context that the church meets and gathers than doesn't meet uh, while... We don't need That's, to debate that. There's plenty yeah. of unqualified men leading churches oh right my gosh. now as well. Okay. Oh, so we can, we well, they're not biblical churches. wrote a book the, with that title, by that, the way. Just to be clear, those are not biblically sound churches either. Exactly. But, and that's, that was my point. Right. Is just well said. Yeah, well there's said. plenty. Just because you're a man up there doesn't mean that it's a qualified church or a qualified yeah. leader. Yes, right? sure. So, Maggie, can love and acceptance be good vehicles in leading us to mm-hmm. our constructive position on the subject? Because so many people will be like, that's not very loving. Yeah. Or or you need to be filled with love, or you need to be accepting. And so how would we answer that? Like, are they good vehicles to lead us to a good position on this? My answer would be no, because your vehicle, like you need to be straight from the foundation of the Bible and where it starts in the creations telling and how men and women were both made equally in God's image and we both receive where heirs of his glory and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So... You can't just be like, oh, we want to be loving. Oh, we want to be accepting when you're not being biblical. So, yeah. So I so, say no. So, I would answer it the same way, but opposite, in that I would say they are great vehicles. Oh. If they're biblically defined. Okay. And that is, that's, well, that's the issue. And now, now she's hammer. not going to answer any more yeah, questions. I'm okay. leaving. <laughs> hey, wait, I'm suppressed. Me and Mary, <laughs> I'm, I'm suppressed. <laughs> just take out that sound bite. That can be the quote <laughs> no, for the you podcast. Totally keep that. But what I, and you know what I mean, because we talk about this all the time, and we talk about it at church all the time, but love is the most distorted word in our entire- Love, like yes, this. Like that's love. not a good vehicle. If you're biblically defining love- Yes. And acceptance. Like, I can accept you and I should lovingly accept you without accepting false beliefs that you've espoused. Yeah. And so, like, the church needs to accept all people and affirm all people as image bearers of God, but not accept unbiblical worldviews. And that is what has gone awry, not just with egalitarianism, but with so much of Christianity today is to accept somebody means I accept all the falsities that they've accepted, which then compromises the truth. Yeah. And I have nothing left to stand on. And so I would say if we're biblically, I mean, because that's the, the, you're right about that. The the issue at hand is, are we going to submit ourselves to scripture or yeah. are we going to, Adam has said culture. I don't even know if it's much culture as it is just selfishness. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I want what I want. Well, I want to be in authority. Culture. Yes. It's, yeah. I, I agree. Right. Yeah. Yes. I, I do agree with that. 
But I think biblically defined, understood love and acceptance is important. I know yeah, you agree. Yeah, not the quotation. Exactly. That's what I was What people from. who are asking this, you 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 answered it according to how they'd be asking yeah. this. And I get that. And okay. I respect that. Okay, and I affirm cool. you. Thank you. And I value Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so last question. So last question. Neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. Okay. Amen. Okay. Galatians <laughs> 3. Um, Look at that. This guy. Uh, you guys are just trying to go on tangents this episode. <laughs> So let's talk about some of the things that we've mentioned some, but from your perspective and as somebody who works at a church, what are some good things that women can do and have the liberty to do biblically in a church um, from a leadership position or just generally you see women doing in the church and doing it well? I was also thinking about this because if we are so wrapped up in why can't we be pastors, why can't we be teachers, we're going to miss everything that God has mm. like called us to if yeah. he's called it to that particular ministry. So I was thinking about how many missed opportunities there are in wanting to be selfish when you could be serving in student ministry with high school, middle school girls, could be leading a ladies book study, could be teaching a ladies class, could be ministering to the elderly, could be caring for the poor, the sick. I was just like, there's so many things like Adam was saying that women can do that it's like disheartening that this is such a big topic. You know what I mean? Because it's like, they just want to, I'm not saying like in a mean way, but we just want to, if you hold that view, go towards what's completely not for you when you're missing out on everything that you Hmm. could do so well. I mean, just tell them how great and easy breezy life is as a head pastor. I would never want to. I mean, come on. (laughs) Aaron never, Aaron never deals with anything that's difficult or toxic. Anytime I walk in dealing with the frustration, I'm like, Madge, you're not going to believe it. She's like, I'm complimentarian. Don't even tell me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I couldn't. Yeah, maybe there's a reason yeah. right? that, that only no, few I think, are hand-selected and picked I think to do that, that is such a pristine argument. Because that goes for everybody in society. We're so fixated oftentimes, especially in church, on what we're prohibited biblically yeah. from doing that we're missing out on the beauty of what God is empowering us actually to do, calling yeah. us toward. And um, I couldn't say it better. I mean, to me, once again, I've already said whatever Scripture does not prohibit. Like, ladies, take that and run with it. Under the authority of the local, God, church, and the, the, elders, the local yeah. church and the elders of that local church. And if you're in an unbiblical church, get out of that and go to a biblical church. But I'm just saying, like, like run with that. Like, be empowered in that. Because it does talk in the Bible about, like, the older women teaching the younger women. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I don't need to teach a man because there's other people under me that are ladies that need that, you know? And I need it from older ladies, too. Whew. All right, so for all the all the men still with us, thanks for listening and watching, and we'll be back next me, time. Me and Powers tried to spice it up a little for everyone today, so we're prepared for the hate mail. Until next time. See you guys. That's it. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Oz is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.